Yes, Lord, we come to you. We thank you that we have this refuge place, Lord, this stronghold, this place to come, Lord. We thank you for showing us that you are life, and you have life for us, Lord. Thank you for uh, making us clean by your word, connecting us to your life, to the vine, Lord God. And Lord, we ask that your life would flow through us as we continue to gather together, Lord. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come flow in this place. Jesus, breathe your life, breathe your spirit into us, Lord. We're hungry, we're thirsty. Uh, we're, a lot of us uh, have run out, uh, and so we're coming back to you. All right, take a seat. Uh, the inside edition. Wow, I don't know. This is, this is different. It's smaller. It feels, it's small. I don't know. All right, we'll, we'll go through this. And um, back to the mixer question. If you could be, the question is, if you could be more of these things, not, maybe it's a slightly different than if you could have some of these things, but if you could be a person that's more loving, a person that's more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more good, more faithful, more gentle, more self-controlled, what would you pick? And I, I was like, joyful always leaps out to me on that list. I just, man, can you have enough joy? Can you be a joyful enough person? I mean, I don't know. Did anybody in your mixer uh, say, you know what, actually, I, I'm pretty good. I don't really need any more of this. Um, no, probably not. Okay, we need more of these things. I was talking to Trish and Mark, and they mentioned that they were in a discussion this week about, you know, the world, and it's a mess, and how do we change the world and all that. And I think this would go a long way, right? If, if wherever you went, uh, your home, your, your workplace, your school, wherever you went, if people around you, including yourself, well, you were more joyful, more peaceful, more loving, more kind, more good, you know, less... Uh, evil, less unkind, less impatient, less uh, in turmoil, less uh, just down, um, less selfish. Wouldn't that be better? I mean, that's what, that's what we need. That's what we want. And if you try this list on your own, you're going to quickly come to the end of yourself and realize, man, I don't have this in me. I don't have uh, The branch apart from the vine is what? Dead. Dead. And apart from you, uh, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. He's the source of this. He's got this in abundance, super abundance. And he is the place where we can find more. He's the one. So let's keep directing our attention to him. Um, if you want more of these good things, if you want to be more of these good things, good news, God wants to bless you with this. God wants to help you become these things more and more. He's got more for you. He's not done with you. You may be comfortable with yourself, but, you know, people around you would like you more, would, would enjoy you even better, uh, would be blessed by you more if you had more of these things. So that's the offer for us, I think, that God is, is presenting to us, is if you want more, what do you do? Well, this... Uh, this unleashing of God's spirit, his presence, his power, his love, these fruits started at Easter. Uh, God started this new creation, this new creation. Think about that, the original creation, Genesis 1, we've been studying that in Wednesday Bible study, looking at that, and uh, it was good, it was very good until humanity came in, and we decided to exercise our will, our authority, our ability to choose in a wrong direction. 
and calamity and turmoil and the opposites of these fruits came into the world. Um, and so God uh, had this plan, though, and he activated it a few weeks ago on Easter. The new creation that God is bringing began with Jesus' resurrection. You know, out of the tomb came a little piece of God's new creation, and it was good. It was very good. And the disciples were overjoyed. And Jesus, for over 40 days, appeared to his disciples, over you know, hundreds of them, giving them many convincing proofs that he was alive and that this new thing had begun, just like he said it would. And then he said, wait in Jerusalem, because the, the same power, the same spirit that rose me from the dead, my crucified, torn up body from the dead, is going to be poured into you. The promise is coming. The promise from the prophets, the promise from my own lips is coming. So they waited, 120 were in this upper room. We looked at this, was it last week? I don't know, I can't even keep track. Uh, Pentecost, the, the Spirit of God is poured out upon his disciples, upon those who had been cleansed by Jesus' death and resurrection. And that door that opened up to them is open to you and me as well, to everyone. And if you've come in, Man, we get, to sh- we get to tell others about this door, this door that's open to new life, life that we need, the life that we can't generate ourselves that comes from God. The same door is open. We, we now uh, can go out and say, in the name of Jesus, be saved. In the name of Jesus, be cleansed of those things that have brought you death. In the name of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you become part of the new creation. If you've come into it already, we got stuff for you today as well. Um, Let me ask you this. What is the mark? What is the mark? What is the characteristic of a person who has become part of this new creation? What's a characteristic? Do they they dress better, good haircut, they come to church? Uh, What what is the mark of a Christian? What is a true Christian? What is a new Creation, a part of God's new humanity. What is the mark or characteristic, would you say? Love. Oh, yeah, love is, is huge, right? I would go, before you get into, become a really loving person, though, you need something first. What do you need? The Holy Spirit, yeah. The Holy Spirit is the indicator. The Holy Spirit is the special sauce. The Holy Spirit is the thing that you can't generate and that brings you before God and say, I need this. I need your life. And there's only one way to get it. It's through the cleansing work of Jesus and then the filling work of his spirit. When that's hit you, you're born again. You're a new creation. Even Nicodemus, the religious guy who had checked all the boxes, he could, Jesus said to him, you cannot see, you cannot even come into the kingdom of God until you've been born again. And he was befuddled and bewildered. He's like, what are you talking about, man? I'm part of the Sanhedrin. I'm, I'm one of the dudes. I've been good. No, no. We need God's new birth. We need his spirit. All right. Now, if, if you've come in, you're, you're in, you, you've received the Spirit of God, know this. The Spirit of God in you is working to generate more of those good things in you, to make you a more loving, more generous, more peaceful, more joyful person. That's, what he is. That's the life force that you've invited in. And he is working to generate that in you. The question is, are we cooperating or are we resisting? Uh, are we letting him do his good work? I need more of God's spirit. I want more of God's spirit. I mean, do you, do you want more of this in your own life? 
I mean, that's a big question. You might not. You might be like, no, I'm going to stay detached, do my own thing. Um, I'm going to muscle this out on my own. Until you want God's spirit, the rest of this message is not going to really help you much. But even if you're in that place, listen, because you can at least see the path if you get to that place where you're like, yeah, actually, I do need and want more of God's spirit. Okay, if you want more of God's spirit, um, if you want it for yourself, you want it, want it for your family, if you want it for your church, wouldn't it be great, man, this church? I love this church. But we, we still have a lot of room to grow, right, in those things, the fruits of the spirit. We got room. And let's do that. Let's, let's ask God to fill us more with his spirit and lean into that more. All right, last Sunday, we, we started this process looking at how to be filled with more of God's spirit, how to get more of that in your life. And the two things we, we looked at were, number one, aha, don't forget this one, ask for it. That's simple, right? Ask for it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're like, this spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't know what this is. Sounds interesting. I don't know what it is. Remember what Peter told the people who were wondering the same thing. He said, repent, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive that cleansing that you need for your sins, for those things that you've done that go against God and his words. And you will be filled, promise God's word, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, God's powerful, personal, life-giving presence. Okay, that's, so you got to ask for it. And then... Jesus has a word for his disciples in Luke 11, which is disciples, followers, ask, seek, knock, ask, and you will be answered. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You will receive more of the Holy Spirit from the Father. The Father wants to pour more of his life in you. He has more for you. We've got to ask. You gotta ask. I was trying that this week when I was feeling empty, when I was, you know, turning to old things. It's like, oh, hey, there's another place I can go. Ask, come, Holy Spirit, come, Lord God, come, Father, fill me with your spirit. Ask for it. The other one we looked at was obey the spirit. All right, God's, God's leading you by his spirit to do certain things because he wants to lead you into more life, more into his spiritual life. If we don't follow, then we're not gonna get that. So that's pretty simple. Ask for it, obey. That's two from last week. Two more things today we're going to look at to help you get more of God's spirit filling you, flowing in you, flowing through you in your life. I'm leaning on A.W. Tozer for some of this stuff. He's got a little book called How, How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. He's got some good ideas in there. The title's in the back of your bulletin if you want to look at that. First one today is from Galatians 5.25. Galatians 5.25. All right, this is written to believers in Galatia, and this is the word to them, to us today. Since we live by the Spirit, so he's talking to believers, he's talking to those who have received the Holy Spirit already. Again, you've turned to God, you received the cleansing, he, he fills you with his Holy Spirit. All right? Since we live by the Spirit, now we've been made alive by the Spirit, now, what do we do? Now let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, we want more of the Spirit of God? Here's the deal. Keep in step with the Spirit. All right? You want more? Uh, you got to do it. You got to go to this. All right, now, Becky and I, we walk, we've gotten to the habit, COVID year, of walking together, walking together most days. Um, now, for that to happen, for us to walk together and stay together in our little journey and come back home, um, we have to want to walk together, right? We have to want to do that. Otherwise, she's going to go this way, I'm going to go this way. 
right? Or one of us will stay home and one of us will go. Or we have to want to walk together, to walk separately, right? So we have to want it, we have to agree to it. Same with keeping in step with the Spirit. Same with walking in the Spirit, with the Spirit, right? You have to want it, regularly want it. Want to walk with the Spirit and agree to it, to volunteer. The Spirit of God is not going to drag you around. He's not into that. He's like, let's go. I'm inviting you. And he gives you the freedom to say yes or no. All right? If you have to want to walk with the Spirit. Now, some of us, I, I don't know, there's part of me that doesn't always want to walk with the Spirit. You know, there's part of me that wants to do my own thing. Uh, because this next thing, a slight difference between walking, me and Becky, where we're agreeing together which way to go and so forth. When you follow the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, He leads. The Spirit of God leads. You're not saying, hey, uh, Spirit, let's go this way now. Um, Spirit, come with me in here. And I think that's the problem with a lot of Christianity today, is we want God to follow us and come into our stuff and to bless us. And to give us, you know, a good feeling once in a while. We want, we want the things of God, uh, but we want them on our own terms. When we want them, where we want them. We want to keep our own things, the things that he's leading us out of, and still bless us with his presence. Right? I mean, we're honest. I mean, and maybe, maybe we're, I'm a mix. There's a part of me that wants to do my own thing. And God, bless me, protect me, please. You know? Um, but again and again, the Spirit of God in me, His Word, and through the church, I'm learning that, no, I need to learn to follow Him. Just like those disciples walked with Jesus in the flesh, the Spirit of God is inviting you to walk with Him every day, to get up when He says, get up, to speak when He says, speak, to be quiet when He says, be quiet. That's the opportunity. And the reward is more of Him. More of Him. More of his love, his presence, etc. All right, now I was more—I was trying to be more intentional about this this week. Okay, Wayne, think about yourself walking with him. Like, just give into that. Just go with that. Don't question it, analyze it, say, hey, hold on, I'll get back to you, which is sometimes my natural bent. I was more intentional about just going, right? I feel a little prompting. I, I sense the Spirit prompting me to do something. He's giving me a task to do. Often he just gives me tasks, and I have a, I've learned to get a little notepad uh, it doesn't work. My phone doesn't work for me. I have a little notepad. I write it down, and then the other day I get to cross things off. But I was intentional about that this week, really following through with the things that God called me to do. Now, on this week, I had on my list to call someone who I honestly feel has wronged me, and I didn't want to call, and has wronged others that I care about. All right, this person does not go to OTC, so don't, don't start. All right, they don't go here. All right. Now, I grumbled about this situation in Tuesday prayer group. Yes, your pastor was praying, was grumbling about somebody. I was, I was grumbling about this situation, and somebody there said, Wayne, I think the Lord is telling me to tell you to forgive this person. All right? So put yourself in that person's shoes. They feel like the Spirit is leading them to follow them into telling me, hey, I think you need to forgive this person. And my response, inside, like, I don't want to. How dare you say that? Because that's true, but I don't want to. I was annoyed. I was internally annoyed. I wanted to say no. But there's another part of me, this new creation in me, this new Wayne, united to the Spirit of God, 
that knows if I follow the Spirit of God, that's going to be best. And it just sounded like a Jesus thing, doesn't it? Forgive that person. But yeah. All right, so uh, now am I going to do it? What am I going to do? Am I going to follow the Spirit of God or am I going to follow my old way? And, you know, I followed the Spirit of God. All right. So, and it really helped me. It really helped me. Out loud, I forgave this person. I released them. That's a picture for me that helps me think about forgiveness. I'm releasing them from this debt, either, either perceived or real. You know, it was real. But perceived or real. I released them from this. and. And then it was cool. Then I felt like the Spirit of God was leading me to another. I was like, okay. And then I felt like the next step was Wayne blessed them. Like, and that was like a thought that came to mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bless them. Now, I wasn't 100% like, oh, yeah, I'm just feeling it. Like, I want to bless this person. It was, it was a mix. But I, I leaned into that, and I, I blessed them. And that has helped me because in that call that came that week, this week, I, I was in a good place. I wasn't in reaction mode. I wasn't in, you know, I was able to bless. And that's good. More, more joy, more love, more forgiveness, more of the fruits of the Spirit stuff. Um, okay, so that was a positive example of walking in the Spirit. That's what it looks like in the, in the nitty-gritty of the day. It'll happen. You'll, you'll have opportunities this week. You'll be like, follow the Spirit follow the old way or what I really want to do. Oftentimes, it's, it's just the battle of what I want emotionally in that moment uh, versus trusting and just leaning into what God is telling me to do. So if you want more of God's spirit, remember, that's the opportunity. That's the invite. Number first fill in. Let's capture it. Number three on your bulletin, walk with the spirit daily. Walk with the spirit daily. You do this all t- the spirit is active. He wants to lead and guide and bless all the time. We just got to tune in. And not just tune in and listen, but follow. All right? That's the way into more life. That's the way to become more life-giving, more joyful, more giving, more good. All right, what else? Now, if you want more of God's Spirit, that was number one for today. It's number three, but number one for today. Uh, This next one is, um, I'll be interested in your reaction to this one. Number four, keep your temple clean. Keep your temple clean. Let me unpack that a little bit. Not keep your room clean. Although, kids, parents, that is a good idea, right? That, that's, that's good. Um, but it's not about the external physical. It's about the internal spiritual. Keep your spirit clean, or keep your temple clean. Now, temple, uh, if I ask you, what's the temple? What's the temple of God? Where's a good place to look for that? Where would you find an answer for that? The B-I-B-L-E. That's the one for me, right? Okay, uh, where would, so start Genesis, just kind of track it along. Hey, where does temple appear? Where, where do you see the temple of God? Where do you, where's that first appear, do you think? Just, what's that? Where? Body? No, not, that's not the first one. You're jumping ahead. No, where's the temple? And in in, you go to Genesis, what happened? Jerusalem, all right, yeah. Yeah, okay, now really, you know, a couple, you could say Eden, because that was really like the original temple. And then you go tabernacle, God uh, rescues them from, from Egypt. Uh, they're enslaved there. He brings them out to be his people, and he tabernacles. He tents, sets up a big tent in the middle of them to be present with them. All right, but it's kind of portable, and, it, you know, 
it, they have to take it down and, and set it up. It sounds like church here. Um, but the solid one, the first solid one, Solomon built. Well, let's just look at that one. So Solomon built this temple, uh, led by the Lord to do this, and it was finished in 960 BC, 960 years before Jesus came into the world. All right, and it was set apart, it's this place that's set apart as God's house, as God's dwelling place, this particular place in time and space where God is uh, especially, uniquely present. Uh, so that was, and it was the center of Israel, originally uh, the center of their camp, and then the center of Israel in Jerusalem. Now, where is Solomon's temple today? Gone. Yeah, long gone. All right, 586 B.C., 586 years before Jesus came, uh, the Babylonians destroyed it. All right, the Babylonians were the area superpower at the time. In 597, so 11 years before it was destroyed, they started conquering Israel. And um, as they did so, they started to bring some of the, the nobility, the kind of the leaders, into captivity into Babylon. Took them out of Israel against their will and brought them into captivity into Babylon. It's, it's the reversal of the Exodus. Um, and it's kind of like the banishment of Adam and Eve out of the garden. All right, so Ezekiel was one of these captives, okay? Now, why did uh, God give Israel and his temple over to the Babylonians? Yeah, repeated, repeated disobedience. They became like the nations around them. Instead of remaining set apart to God, remaining in the vine, they looked for life in other places, and they became corrupt and unclean, and so God gave them over. God's going to give the answer to that question through the prophet Ezekiel as well, and he does it in a really visual kind of cool way. So we're going to look at that right now. Um, so Ezekiel, while he's in Babylon, the temple in Jerusalem is still standing. This is before it was destroyed, about 11 years before it was destroyed. He's in captivity in Babylon, and he has this wild experience. Ezekiel is a fun book, man. Um, Ezekiel 8. I'm going to start verse 1. It's not in your bulletin, uh, but it's on the screen. Then we'll pick it up at 6 in a minute here. But Ezekiel 8, verse 1. The hand of the sovereign Lord, God most high, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the hand of the sovereign Lord came on me there. This is a way of saying the spirit of God fell on me. The, the presence of God came upon me, on Ezekiel. And Ezekiel says, I looked and I saw a figure like that of a man. So this figure, and from what appeared to be his waist down, he was like fire. And from there up, his appearance was as bright as glowing metal. Now, earlier in Ezekiel, he has an encounter with God, and this is the same description used. So either this is God in some, he's having a theophany, an appearance of God he's dealing with, or it's an angel. We could debate that all day, but it, it's a God thing, all right? So he, this, this, uh, this figure, God or this angel, stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. Okay, this is happening in a vision. He's, he's experiencing this in a dramatic, lived-out feeling vision. All right, so this, this fiery man is, is pulling it up by the hair of the head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven to lift him up, and in visions of God, he took me to Jerusalem. All right, so visually, this, this encounter with God, God's bringing him to Jerusalem. Let's see what happens there, to Jerusalem, and really specifically to the temple that Solomon had built that was still standing but was soon to be destroyed. Ezekiel 8, 6, and he, God or his angel, said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? Look, I'm going to show you what they're doing here at the temple. 
the utterly detestable things the Israelites are doing here. Things that will drive me far from their sanctuary. You hear that? God's still there, but he is ready to pull out. He's ready to get out of there. And then it's going to be destroyed. He says, but you'll see even see things that are even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance to the court. So he's getting closer into the, to the holy place, the holy of holies of the temple. He's, he's coming in. I looked and I saw a hole in the wall. That's weird. Again, this isn't a vision. He said to me, son of man, now dig into the wall. So I, I dig into the wall and saw a doorway there. And he said to me, go in and see. Go in and see the wicked and detestable things they are doing here at God's temple. So I went in and looked, and I saw portrayed all over the walls all kinds of crawling things and unclean animals and all the idols, the false gods of Israel. In front of them stood 70 elders of Israel. These are the leaders of Israel. And Jeazaniah, son of Shaphan, was standing among them. So this particular person. Uh, Each had a censer, burning incense, in his hand, and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness in his temple, each at the shrine of his own idol? They've set up idol shrines within the temple. They say the Lord does not see us. The Lord doesn't see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And again, it's not just a group of random people. These are the leaders of Israel. And what's their attitude? The Lord doesn't see. The Lord doesn't see. Again, he said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable. Okay, it gets worse. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, the temple. And I saw women stand, sitting there mourning the god of Tammuz. Okay, Tammuz was the Sumerian god um, who died and became god of the underworld. Okay, so some, that's not great. Um, so they're worshiping the, the god of the underworld, according to Sumerian religion, in the temple of God. And they act like God doesn't see this. They're wrong, right? God sees this. God's showing Ezekiel what's going on there. He said to me, do you see this, son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. He then brought me into the inner core of the house of the Lord, and there at the entrance of the temple between the portico and the altar were about 25 men. Now listen to this. With their backs toward the temple of the Lord. So the holy of holy place, that God's presence is in the temple. They have their backs to the temple. They're looking east. They were bowing to the sun in the east. Do you think they're thanking God for the, for the sun and the warmth and the light? No, they're worshiping the sun. They're worshiping God's creation. They're worshiping and serving and honoring created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Therefore, God says, I will deal with them in anger. I will not look on them with pity or spare them. He's pulling out. He's lifting his blessing. He's going to allow the Babylonians or anyone else to come through there. Although they will shout in my ears, help us, God. Come on, Lord. Oh, we're sorry. I will not listen to them. It's too late. Now, Ezekiel is one of the prophets, a later prophet, and Israel's been warned again and again and again and again. Um, What's the condition of God's temple? Defiled, spiritually unclean. Now, it may be tidy in there. I don't know what it looked like, but it is spiritually rotten, corrupt, unclean, stuff in there that should not be there. All right, this is God's holy place set apart for God most high, the holy God. 
the God who saved them, the God who made them. And they've turned their attention, their hearts, and their affections to these other gods. And other gods, you look at 1 Corinthians, they're either made-believe stuff, they're, they're human, they're not real, or they are demons. This is bad. This is really bad. Next question is, why is God angry? Well, it's his house. This is God's house. It's a place of God's presence. Stuff there that shouldn't be there. All right, now let's bring that into today. Where's God's temple today? Now, Sarah, where's God's temple? Sada, where's God's temple? Yeah, it's us, man. It's you and me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, those who have turned to Christ, those who have been cleansed by his death and resurrection, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received as a good gift from God? So the reality is you're not, you are now not your own. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were purchased, you and I were purchased by the precious blood of Christ, that sacrifice. You were bought at a price. You could be cleansed, you could be filled with this gift, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, brothers and sisters, this is our call, this is the way into more life. Listen, therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is the temple. This is the temple of God the presence of God. So, next question that I was wrestling with this week, what are you bringing into God's temple? What are you bringing in? I'm going to switch to this mic. I'm kind of going in and out. So, all right. Yeah, this works. All right. I like it. What are you bringing into God's temple? What's in God's temple? What's in you? Your heart, your mind, your thoughts. Thoughts are real things to God, right? So think about your temple. It's probably decorated with all sorts of stuff. Some of it's really good. Right? Some of it's God's stuff, right? Maybe his word, maybe, you know, the things that he's taught you, um, things that you've done with God and for God, things, you know, people of God that you care for, um, there's some good stuff in your temple. And there's probably some stuff that doesn't belong. That doesn't belong. Here's the deal. If you want more of God's spirit, I want more of God's spirit. Let's get more of God's spirit. I want more of God's spirit. If you want more of him in your life, you got to keep the temple clean. And the garbage collects, right? It just kind of, the clutter picks up. Some of it's good. Some of it just not belonging there at all. So if you want to fill your temple with more of God's spirit, you want more of him in your life, you got to keep the temple clean. So how do you keep your temple clean? All right, 2 Corinthians 10.5, very specific, detailed things for us to do here. Number one, we take captive every thought, every thought that comes in, every thought that flows in, every thought that springs up, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus, to bring it under him, you know, is this good, God? Does this belong? If no, chuck it out. Right? Thoughts are real things. Don't let them take up residence if they aren't submitted to Christ, if they don't belong 
to God, if they're not aligned with God. Right? They're physical things that we could throw out. You're the gatekeeper. I'm the gatekeeper of my own temple. So I've got to be aware when the, the thoughts come. And that was one of the tricks this week is just being aware of those thoughts. because They just spring up. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm thinking I'm having this conversation with this person who I imagine they offended me, and I'm having this, this conversation. You ever have these, like, conversations? You're like, and I'm into it, you know, about a minute, and I'm like, wait a minute. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. Jesus, what's going on here? And I knew it was garbage. Like, okay, out, Chuck, push it out. Push it out, man. Get the dolly and bring it out. Keep it out of the temple. That's number one. And this will help. This will help redirect our attention because our minds wander. Our minds just, you know, flutter around. Philippians 4.8 is a good one to memorize. Good memorize. Hang it into your, on your temple, on your temple wall. Whatever is true, listen, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Think of those things. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Get your mind on those sorts of things. And if not, take them out, right? Get the garbage out. When your thoughts turn to unclean, ungodly, sinful things, they will. They will. In this world, we still have a part of us that kind of wants to do our own thing. When that happens, stop, repent, turn, push them out, get them away. Pray, pray, God, help me. I've got this thought. I want to bring it to you. If it doesn't belong, I want to toss it out. And then you actually, I, I'm just like picturing myself shoving these things out. Now listen, you probably came in here because you're human and you got some garbage in your temple. Stuff that doesn't belong. And the Holy Spirit is hopefully highlighting that for you. Not to give you a hard time, but to free you from that, that object of death. To take it out so he can fill you. He's not just, hey, just empty the house. He wants to fill it with good things. He wants to fill it with more of his love, his joy, his peace, more of his spirit, his presence. If you, if you come in, you got, you got, your temple's a little bit of a mess, needs some cleaning. What do you do? Where do we turn? 1 John 2, 1 says this. Listen, if anybody does sin... We have an advocate with the Father. You got to help. You got someone that can help you through this. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the risen Lord Jesus, the, the one who does right all the time. He is the atoning sacrifice for your sins. He's the cleanser. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. This is for everybody. But, you know, apply it to yourself first. Start there. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, Confessing is a way to bring it into the light, to acknowledge it, to name it. Like, this thing doesn't belong. This is evil. This is not a God thing. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He's ready to cleanse you. He's ready to release you of that thing that shouldn't be with you and purify you from all unrighteousness. So let's do that. Got that thing brought to mind. Don't, don't think it over. Don't be like, well, I, I, really, I really don't want to depart from this. Um, get it out. Follow the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit with that thing so you can come into more life. Trust Him. 
I don't know if I can live without this thing. You can live. It's actually killing you in some ways. Get it out so he can fill you up with his life, with his good gifts, with his good thing. So as we go into communion, as we go into communion, um, make sure you, you have, if, you're, if you want to take this, you know what this means, you're ready to take it. If not, just, just watch and, and you can see how this goes. This is a way for us to receive his cleansing and then we're going to ask for his filling again. But let me pray and then we'll go into communion here. Lord God, we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to shine your light on those things that don't belong in us, Lord. Lord, help us. We're weak. There's a part of us that kind of likes that stuff, Lord. Help us trust your word that these will lead to death, Lord Jesus. Help us choose your life. Help us uh, trust you. Help us get the garbage out, Lord God. Uh, help us, strengthen us to do that. Help us choose well with that, Lord God. And then let's think about communion here. So this happened, this is before Jesus' death and resurrection. The night before he went to the cross for you and me to purchase us for himself so that we could be cleansed. What he did is he took bread. He took bread. He was gathered there with his disciples. He took bread. He gave thanks for it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. He handed it to them saying, take and eat. This is my body. It symbolizes my body, which is going to be laid down for you. So let's take and receive that sacrifice for our sins. Yes, Lord, we receive what you did for us. We thank you. We receive that, Lord. And then he took the cup, he gave thanks for it, and he offered it to them saying, drink from it, drink from this, all of you. This is, this symbolizes the blood of my covenant, my, the new covenant, my commitment to you, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins, for your sins. Take the cup, receive his cleansing for your sins. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you for coming for us, laying down your life to release us, to free us, to save us from our sins, which lead to death and lead away. Father, we, we ask, we ask in the name of Jesus to, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking. We're asking for your, fill, your spirit to fill us, fill us anew, uh, fill us to overflowing, fill us with your life, Lord God. We turn to you, we look to you, and help us do that during the week. Help us remember to turn to you, keep our temple clean, help us walk with you, trust you, agree, and want to walk with you this week. We love you, Lord. Amen.